Hello and welcome to Creative Sessions with Creative People, the show by creatives for creatives, with me, your host, Alan Grant. Hello, 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 and welcome to the very first episode of Creative Sessions with Creative People with me, your host, Alan. Now, for those of you who don't know, I am an actor, I am a writer, uh, I am an all-round creative, I am so passionate about the arts, and that's what prompted me to start this little podcast, Uh, especially now when we're in the COVID times and the arts are all but killed stone dead. This is my outlet to interview and engage and talk to fellow creatives and just get an insight into how they dealt with the changes that COVID brought, you know, where they were before COVID, how they dealt, uh, you know, with the changes that COVID brought about in the middle of the pandemic, where they see themselves post uh, pandemic. We're going to talk everything, the good times, the bad times, funny stories, influences, it's going to be great, and I'm going to cover a variety of, of mediums each and every week. I'll be interviewing, it could be an actor, it could be a writer, it could be a director, producer, musician, singer, comedian, dancer, artist, you name it. I'm going to cover it all, and it's going to be fantastic. Now, who I'm talking to in my very first episode is the wonderful Mr. Alex Byrne. Now, we had this interview We first did it, I'd say, about two weeks ago, but we had a great chat and we covered everything from comedy to acting to Father Ted to The Room. Alex Alex and myself know each other a few years now. He's a great guy and we had a great chat. So without any further ado, let's get straight into my very first interview with my very first guest, the one and only Mr. Alex Byrne. Welcome, Alex. How are you? I'm good, thanks, man. Thank you for having me and making history together. Your first ever guest on your new show. My pleasure to have you. And uh, for our listeners, I should say, Alex, he is an actor. He is a stand-up comedian. He is a magician. And he's also now a talk show host with his own weekly show, La Chats, which can be seen 7 p.m. every Thursday on Facebook. So I encourage you to check that out. So a very early plug for you, Alex. Uh, Don't say I don't do anything for you. (laughs) Sorry, did you mean to go on as they say? Let's talk about all your stuff first, right? So, Alex, you are primarily, I suppose, a stand-up comedian above anything else. That is probably one of your first loves. Yeah, I suppose that was my first, I suppose, uh, mainstream thing, if that makes sense. Like, um, I'd done a few part-time acting courses in the Gaty, and then, you know, I, I wasn't sure what to do. So I spoke to a few different people, and they said, look, you should definitely do the comedy course. Like, we think you're funny, and this and that, and... So I did the comedy course in like the summer of 2016. And from then I was just like, yeah, I just um, started doing gigging around the country and a couple of gigs in England as well. And just getting as much stage time as I could. And I, I loved it. Like I love being on stage. I love doing comedy and I met a lot of people as well. And it was actually funny. I was about a year into doing stand-up comedy when I first met yourself as well. We did a, a play together in 2017 and I kind of auditioned for it. I was like, look, I was honest with the guys. I don't have a lot of acting experience. I did a course, but if you need me to be funny, I can do that. <laughs> That's how I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I just remember you were so full of energy in that show, <laughs> like backstage, on stage, but especially backstage. Uh, I remember you just, you were just a bundle of energy backstage. I couldn't do an acting warm up sometimes because I'd be in the middle of my warm up. I'd be doing breathing exercises, and there's Alex coming right over, going, "Well, how are you, man? How are you? You ready for tonight? You psyched up?" <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm trying to do my warm-up. Spot the comedian amongst professional actors. (laughs) Hey, Alan, you're pretty heavy there, mate. (laughs) 
god. Yeah, but see, I suppose that was the thing. Like, I mean, uh, I, like I did a few part-time courses, like I said, in the gate. I didn't have, I suppose, any, you know, full-time intense acting courses. And yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, it just it was always a bit of fun to me. I was kind of going around stage. Like, I know everybody was saying, you know, it's a play. We want to get it right. But I was like, man, this is great. I can't be backstage at the play. This is amazing. <laughs> But yeah, but that but that's that's nice though. It's nice to have again that positive energy and mm. you know um, just in in awe and wonder of everything going on around you because you were so willing to do anything and to uh, um, put yourself out there basically. And oh, yeah. I I remember like I a couple of examples. Okay, I remember because it was a play based on uh, on religion and Jesus and the first ever atheist um, that was sent to heaven mm. accidentally by my character. Um, so I had to deal with it, but I remember you were a disciple in one scene because you played many characters, but mm. you were a disciple in one scene and you just put in an added detail of coming in. I think you were Peter or were you John the Baptist or some oh, character I, like I that. I was St. Peter or St. Paul, one of those lads. But you came in with, I love Jesus written all across your chest crudely in marker and uh, <laughs> it was a very funny touch and it was just something that the director never said to do but you yeah. said ah, it, I'm gonna try it you know and as well as that I, I remember was at the bottom I, I think I was yeah St. Paul or some of that but um, like, you know the way in the bible they have like you know you know John like 23 16 with the verses like and I because we did in 2017 I was like I, I love Jesus John 2017 yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh god and one or two people caught it limbs there like i can't look at this because i could see one or two giggling and I, go, I didn't tell anyone i was just like hey look what i have <laughs> <laughs> but you were also a bit of a, a bit of a practical joker behind the scenes as well i don't know if you remember this but i certainly do oh. and uh i just remember at the time there was a scene where my character um was under interrogation from god and judas <laughs> And they slid an envelope onto the table. This is the, in the, you know, just to set up the uh, the background of the scene. An envelope on the table. I'm being blackmailed. I'm told to open up this envelope. And Judas um, describes to me what, uh, basically what I'm looking at. There's, you know, certain uh, photographs of an erotic nature, should we say. And I'm looking at these photographs uh, and Judas is describing them and what his plan to um upset the world is i can't remember the confines of the scene exactly but i remember the envelope i remember the uh the photographs that i was supposed to be looking at and the descriptions but you went out of your way i believe you went into boots i believe and yeah. you print, actually printed off some fairly suggestive <laughs> photographs and put them in the envelope just to break me yeah that was the uh the last one of the play and i didn't tell anyone except shane i said shane look for the last night i'm gonna go and actually get because they were describing different i suppose sexual positions and i was like i'm actually gonna go and get these photos printed off in each of these things so like, he's actually looking at the photo i didn't tell anyone except saying so i just gave shane the envelope I was like here bring this out so you were on stage looking going what the hell these are actually the pictures i'm looking at <laughs> i always remember going to the booths so i was going to get these printed and uh i was trying to work the machine and they wouldn't print and your mom was like do you want help i was like no please leave me alone <laughs> don't look, don't look. <laughs> i haven't gone back to that booth ever since I wouldn't blame you. Well, they wouldn't have you back. I think my photograph of there. you now, don't let this man into the shop. <laughs> but it was worried out because I just remember you coming off stage looking at me like, the hell? <laughs> it's funny because in rehearsals, and if it's in a play in rehearsals, I'm absolutely fine. I'm okay to laugh. You know me, I'm quite a corpser. If it's on a film set, 
I have no problem corpsing. I'm a known corpse. I'm a proud corpser. Should have worked in a morgue. You're obsessed yeah, with that's corpsing. what we said before we actually officially start recording. You should be working in a morgue. You're obsessed with corpsing. And that, that's one of the best lines I've ever heard about me. But when I'm on stage and there's a live crowd there, I don't break. But you did your best. But it was just so shocking. And I think you I think you got the other two, though. You got the other two in the scene. Unintentional targets. And this conversation has already taken taken a turn. It's never going to be a dull moment on this show. And we're already talking in the first five minutes about suggestive uh, photographs on stage. <laughs> oh, and, and a lifetime ban from Boots. But yeah, like, and it was great. And I suppose ever since then, like, we just, we kept in touch as well. Because I had a lot of fun working with yourself. And, like, it was a great cast. Because, like, that was my first ever play that I worked on. And I was just, like, thinking, God, you know, everyone was so nice and, you know, the actors were so talented and Shane who wrote the play was absolutely he's such a good director he's such a nice bloke as well so I had the time of my life doing that play with you guys and I was so happy that like despite the fact that I suppose I didn't have the same kind of extensive background as you guys you were all like so respectful toward me as well and straight away you're like no you're part of this too it was it was great and I was really kind of nervous at the start because I was like man like how am I going to do with all these professionally trained guys but Oh, you were you were all lovely and I had a great time doing it with oh, you. Yeah, well, look, I mean, that's one of the few shows I remember doing where, and I've said this to you because I've been a guest on the chats and I've said it to you both times I've been on that show because yeah. we always end up talking about this show, but it was one of my yeah. favorites and one of the few shows I remember doing where you genuinely came out of it with lifelong friends. You know, so yeah, we've kept in touch a lot since then. Um, obviously now with COVID, um, as I said to you before, we officially came on uh, the show with the recording. Um, you know. We kept in touch on social media, liking each other's statuses, updates, stuff like that, keeping in touch. But it wasn't until late last year during COVID when we got involved with each other's projects that, you know, we started seeing each other face to face or screen to screen, should I say, uh, during this era <laughs> of, uh, of COVID-19. So it's yeah. So it's, it's good. It's been good to reconnect with you, no doubt. Yeah, you too, man. I always just remember before we go on for one of my favorite ever memories with you was I still remember St. Patrick's Day weekend in 2018. We were actually in the director's house for a reunion. And I, myself and Alan, for those who don't know, love a film called The Room. And I just remember doing impersonations that Tommy was O for the whole night. And you were, at one stage, I think you were on the floor. You were laughing so much. You were actually on the floor laughing. Well, I was laughing, but I was also very, very, very drunk. So I think that helped. <laughs> you think about everything. I know. <laughs> But um, you are a stand-up comedian. You're into your comedy. I love my comedy too. So obviously Tommy Wiseau, I'm assuming, not in the way Tommy would like, but he's obviously become like one of your influences mm-hmm. in terms of comedy, even though he's n- not intentionally a comedian. Yeah, in terms of comedy, but to be honest with you, just in terms of, I suppose, life, he's become an influence. And like, you know, I, I talk about The Room to you a lot. I love The Room. I think it's hilarious, you know, I don't think it was intended to be hilarious, but it is, in my opinion, the funniest movie I've ever seen in my life. I watch it every time and I'm in hysterics. But um, the reason for me that Tommy was always become such an inspiration is, although people would say his movies are this and that, and his movies are whatever, and he's this and that, and he's a bad actor, he's got that his whole life. And what I love about him is he never listened. He never listened to a word. He was always, you know what, I'm going to do this. No one's going to tell me otherwise. I'm going to go out and make my project the way I want to make it and enjoy it and get it out to the world and that's what I want to do and that's what I say about the room is although you watch it you go look it's a terrible film he made it with such kind of you know love if that makes sense like he made it and it was his you know project he was like this is me this is what I'm about and this is what I want to do and I just admire the guy so much that despite everything like he doesn't let anybody put him down he does things his way and he just refuses to be 
refuses just to not be himself. Like, and I, I think that's so admirable. I remember one of my favorite ever moments uh, just in life was actually um, in September of 2019. I went to see a screening of a room in London with my friend Meg and uh, he was there. Tommy was always there. He was in the Prince Charles Cinema. And we got to do a Q&A with Tommy. And I was saying, look, how do you deal with doubt? Like, that was my question. I was like, you know, as a performer, how do you deal with doubt? And he was kind of like, oh, you know, doubt, whatever. He goes, just don't listen. He goes, you know, if you have doubt, you got to believe in yourself. And he said, what do you perform at? And I said, I'm a stand-up comedian. So he actually invited me on stage with him. I got to do some of my comedy on stage with him there. And it was so, it was so weird. I know it's cliche, but I couldn't think of the first thing to say. And he saw I was kind of nervous. And he kind of directed me. He was like, no, it's okay. Just don't be nervous. Don't look at me. Just think and don't look at the crowd. Just be yourself and get in. And I did the thing. He was like, yeah, very good. I like it. I was like, it was so surreal because I just come off stage like, man, I can't believe I just didn't stand up comedy on stage. It was like Tommy was old. It was so cool. Yeah, I remember I saw the video and I was really impressed because I was like, wow you know you got to meet your hero essentially or at least one of them and I know what it's like as well like you know as when you meet anyone famous or especially someone that you like you've watched you know over the years or you've been influenced by it is daunting it, it is um it's hard to know what to say I mean how do you sum up your feelings about this person or their work in just one sentence yeah it was just it was so surreal like I was so so happy it went well and like he could say I was nervous and he was good to be there so like I mean ah, look he's a good guy and like I've nothing but respect for him yeah. and what he does man um but I, yeah I, once again I'd say great film he, he like he is inspirational as well and I know they did the disaster artist film which was coming at it from a different angle they were because obviously he made it with the intentions of it being a big serious drama and ended up being just a you know an unintentional black comedy I suppose yeah and it was kind of weird for me because like I, you were probably in the same boat in the sense that I'd loved this film for years and you probably loved it for years, but then all of a sudden in 2017, it became like a mainstream kind of success. Everybody was talking about the room and like all the news outlets and stuff. And I just remember being like, this is like flip the world. Cause this was always, you know, our little kind of cult film that we watched. And then all of a sudden everyone knows about it. Yeah. Well, full disclosure, I didn't actually see the full movie until I met you. Really? I had only seen clips. I had only seen the key scenes of it. I never watched the whole thing. And then one time I was back home um, at the time and I found it um, online and I watched it um, in, in my sitting room. Mm. Uh, this was my, I think this was shortly after the play had finished. And I said, you know what? I must actually sit down and watch this full movie because I've never seen it. And of course I watched the full movie and the second, it's notoriously uh, known for the super long and awkward scenes of a sexual nature should we say <laughs> and i remember the first one of those scenes came on and it goes on for about six minutes yeah uh, it has a really cheesy soundtrack so if you didn't know any better you would think it was a soft core porn movie <laughs> and i just remember then the minute that scene came on my dad walked in and he goes what are you watching and i went uh, uh, it's just a film it's just a film because uh, it kept going it kept going and like he obviously thought i was watching just out in the open in the family home, just uh, a softcore porn film. <laughs> oh God, that was the thing. I remember first time I watched that, I was like, oh man, he, he's really getting his, he's really trying to set as long as he can. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it just goes on for an absurd amount of time. Yeah. Um, but, but listen, besides, besides The Room, besides Tommy Wiseau, um, another big uh, comic influence I know that you love is certainly Dermot Morgan. And, oh, uh, yes. And Father Ted, Graham Linnan. 
Yes, like I love that kind of writing. Like that, that kind of writing for me is just uh, timeless in the sense that you know, Father Ted for me again is just one of those comedies you can go back and watch, and no matter how many times you watch it, it's just hilarious. And you know, it's one of those. It's just the writing I think is so clever, but at the same time, it's just it's so kind of just silly and fun. Like you look at that show and you think, man, you know, it's just it's just a bit of fun. And like another big comedy influence for me was actually Tommy Cooper, like an old stand-up comedian from like the 60s, 70s and 80s. And again, his, his style was just so completely fun. So I remember like very early on when I started doing comedy, I went to a few comedy clubs and there were a few comedians who, you know, great comedians doing some really good sets, but they were all very kind of, you know, serious and very angry and very, you know, getting the point across and political. I'm like that, that's fine. But I kind of looked and was like, you know, that's not going to be my style. I'm going to be more kind of, you know, the silly, have a bit of fun, have a bit of crack comedian, like, and just be, you know, kind of almost just kind of, you know, childlike and just have a bit of fun. And I just found it worked for me. It was a good niche that people seem to enjoy because I think with the likes of Father Ted, there's, there's always going to be a market for that. So that's just kind of, you know, go in and just have a bit of fun. And this is extremely lighthearted type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think we certainly need that, you mm-hmm. know, as opposed to going in and just, you know, these comedians are just effing and blinding and they rely on just on heavy language or bad language to get the, uh, to get the laugh, you know. True story about me. I did. I think I was doing stand up for about two or three years before I actually started using the odd swear word on stage. I've like I've got younger cousins. I was like, what if they want to watch? You know, I don't want them to be sitting watching and going, oh, if he said this word, I wanted to just be like, yeah, anyone can watch this. And how how did you get the idea then to kind of morph um, magic into your act, into your stand up comedy? Because I've seen you do magic and stand up comedy uh, together. I saw you at a show in the the clock uh, clockwork door. Uh, but four years ago and um, very impressed but I mean it was just you know you, you're trying to concentrate on two things you're trying to get obviously the the magic element of it correct you're focusing on that but then you have to be f- funny as well at the same time and a, a juggling act a balancing act there and eventually I'll get that <laughs> eventually I'll get that part down as well <laughs> but, um, no it was uh, I suppose it was a case like Tommy Cooper who you know I watched when I was a kid like my old my granddad had him um, for any of you that remember it's a VHS tape remember those <laughs> everyone born after 2000 was going what's he on ago <laughs> I don't know VHS tape with Tommy Cooper and I'd sit and I'd watch and I'd be like this is this is hilarious like he used to do magic as part of a show as well and I just thought it was such a nice like I personally believe that for a comedian like I think music and magic are two things that go extremely well with comedy like it's a kind of you know you know an extra kind of bit you know obviously the comedy is your steak but I think like your music yeah. or your magic can be like your sizzle on top of that steak it just adds to it and um, yeah I just you know I saw kind of stuff he did so I remember I started I actually just picked up a magic trick my first ever magic trick I got was a uh, a trick called the disappearing handkerchief that I did and I was in work at the time I was working in an office and I just started doing my the magic trick for the guys and everyone all of a sudden was like jeez like, do that again and be like grab your mate do that and that since then i was like okay you know people people like this it's pretty good and then originally when i started doing the comedy i would do like my five to seven minute set and just do one trick at the end so that was kind of like my closer and then i was like okay when i started to learn a few more tricks i was like well let's incorporate them more into the magic and yeah, like, I mean, they're, they're, they're tricks that, you know, I mean, they've been around for years, but I suppose it's just a case of how you do them. Because, like, I, I used to see Tommy Cooper, like, he was a, mm. like, he was a master at transitioning between the two. It was just mm. unbelievable. As you haven't seen him, I highly, highly recommend. So, and again, much like the kind of lightheartedness, it was something that people weren't doing, if that makes sense. Like, when I was seeing shows, I wasn't seeing, I'd seen one or two other comedians do the magic act quite well as well. But then I was like, okay, I'm not seeing, you know, 
a mark for this. And it's obviously, it was something that kind of struck me. It's been like, you know, there's always talking about comedians for different styles. You know, some people like this style, some people like that style. But I was kind of thinking, everybody loves magic. So I kind of thought I'd add it to the show as well. So uh, people love it. Like people come out and say, geez, you know, like, and I, I've done like, I've worked as mm. a children's entertainer doing tricks for children and stuff. But the only time you get an adult coming off, you know, after a comedy show or after a children's gig going, I don't know how you did that. How did you do that, Alex? I must know. Just that one. <laughs> and yeah, like it, it, it's fun. And like, it's, I suppose people kind of remember it because I was like, you know, if they go home and see a show, it's like, oh, do you remember your man with the magic or whatever? So I, I don't know. I thought it kind of stood out. And yeah, like it, it's been great. People have really kind of responded fairly well to it. And they've, uh, they've enjoyed it. So then, Alex, in terms of stand up comedy, because I always applaud anyone who does it. Um, and I, I love my stand-up comedy. I'm a huge fan of like Ricky Gervais, Dylan Moran, Billy Connolly. Those yes, would be some of my, yes. some of my favorites. But, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I've, I've experienced as an actor and I love doing comic acting. So you give me a script and I'm in a scene with yeah. another person. I can make it funny and, you know, or I like to think I can make it funny. And uh, it's, you know, mm. you know, you have the other actor there to fall back on. If yeah. anything goes wrong and you know you're going according to the script. But stand-up comedy has always been something to me that, I would love to do, but I just don't mm. know if I would have the stomach to do it. Yeah, I suppose it's it's one of those, like, I mean, I, I it's just something I did because I was like, you know, I, I personally, I love getting up in front of people telling a few jokes. I love uh, doing my tricks for people as well. So, yeah, I, I get that a lot. Like, I mean, I've, I've worked with yourself before and I've worked with other actors as well. And even, like, through the chats when I've met a few musicians, like, they've all said to me, God, you know, comedy something i wish i could do or something i wish i had the confidence for and i'm always like look just just go for it like i mean there's always the whole thing of what if they don't laugh look i've done gigs mm. where people haven't laughed at me and it is wrong but look you, you get through it and like what's the worst that's going to happen the worst is going to happen is they don't mm. laugh or they don't like you that whatever like i mean you still got up and you still did it like and trust me like i mean whenever somebody goes to see stand-up comedy half the battle is i think likability if you can get up on stage and if they like it you're fine and also that you got to remember they're looking at you going geez you know i wish i could do that i mm. wish i could get up there and do that and yeah i mean kind of the reverse to that when i was doing acting with yourself as well like um in terms of when i got a script and stuff because you know although i wasn't as experienced when i was in been in a couple of different plays and a couple of short films and i had the script and all that and, you know, the director's going to go on, how are you getting on? How are you finding it? I says, to be honest with you, this, this is bloody great, especially being on stage. I'm like, I've got other people to work with here. Usually it's just me and I've written all the stuff and it's the audience. That when I have somebody else yeah. directing me and it's something they wrote and I bounce off other people, I'm like, this I suppose with stand-up, like you live or die on your own, basically. You've no one else to yeah. kind of fall back on. Um, yes, yes. And kind of your everything, I suppose. If we take stand-up as like, uh, if we take stand-up as being like, you know, almost like a play or something like that on stage because you're on stage for your particular amount of time you got your certain words to get in like you're the writer you're the director you're the producer you're the promoter you're the actor you're everything so like everything is you you're that one person it all you live or die by the sword as yourself yeah. well, on stage. I'd say, like fair 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 play to you like like for doing that because again it's something that i you know i and i'm sure many other people would be like fairly nervous about about doing and this is coming from me who's you know very experienced on stage mm. but just the idea of stand-up comedy yes, just yes. terrifies me because like you said I would be thinking what if I go up there and they don't laugh but like that leads me to my next question then like you know if you're faced with that situation how do you deal with it how do you overcome it you to be honest with you you just it's something you have to get through like and I, as horrible as it sounds if you've got 12 or 15 minutes and two minutes in it's just not going well you just have to 
I suppose you have to get through, but you have to be adaptable. Like, if you're doing your usual stuff and it's not working, like, I'd always say, don't just keep going with your usual stuff. Like, you have to kind of, I suppose, change the game. Like, if I'm a few minutes in and my jokes are, and I'm like, oh, all right, you know, we'll do a bit of audience interacting because that usually works. We'll focus a bit more maybe on the magic because that sometimes gets a good reaction. So it's all about kind of in the moment. Like, it's hard to judge a crowd. Like, you could do one joke one night, the whole audience erupts, applause. You could do the same joke the next night for a different audience. Could be sitting on yeah. their hands going very similar to it. acting then in that respect um, so, because you could have a, a you know a, yes say for example this this play we've been talking about since the beginning and if tomorrow always comes that was an incredibly funny play but you have it in front of one crowd one night and they're laughing at a specific bit that's very funny and you get the laugh and then mm. the next night then the crowd might not be laughing at that bit at all but they might laugh at something else that didn't get the laugh the night before yeah it can kind of yeah, it can kind of throw you a bit because like you're almost expecting like, oh, okay, they laugh at this bit, so I know they laugh at this, and I move on to this. You're thinking about what's next, so yeah, and it's all about I suppose being kind of you know reactive to everything as well because as you are doing your stand-up set, there's also the odd case where you might have to do a bit of improv. You might get heckled or something might happen. You have to comment on. And I always say when you watch a comedian, like they have to set, you can learn your lines and learn your routine. But it's when they're heckled and it's that moment of improv, that's when you see if they're in charge. And that's what the audience needs to see that, you know, they're not just doing a show, but if you can respond to that heckler with a good response, boom, quick enough, or response to something that happens with a witty comment, it's not just a case of being a good comedian. They sit there and go, okay, this guy is in charge. I trust him. He knows what he's doing. Okay, he's well, in charge. I've got two follow-on questions from that. Okay. One, I suppose, what would, what, what's the worst crowd that you've ever encountered in your stand-up career? <laughs> well, apart from my family <laughs> the worst crowd i've ever encountered was probably one of my first well, it's actually my worst ever gig it was that well, my be next, the next question, uh, question or, was going to be have you ever been heckled and how did you respond okay well i'll do the fir- i'll do the first question first my worst ever crowd was probably when i first started doing comedy because um i was doing comedy about two months and i went down to a gig in this club in cork and i remember i went down and it was in this pub and there was two people in the audience and there were supposed to be five acts on that night and I was on third so fifth act didn't show because he was put wise and like oh it's only three people the fourth act left so I found myself as the headliner two months into doing comedy and I kind of got up and I was doing my jokes and because there's only two people it's awkward and people aren't really responding and uh as well as that like I did my 10 minutes and I still remember I turned to the host and said hey I've done my 10 minutes and he says do 10 more just I was like, I don't have 10 more. Oh, no, just do 10 more. I was like, oh, this is all I have. No, no, go on. Jesus. And, and, and like, that's when you were like, I don't have 10 more minutes. But um, in terms of my worst audience, I've had one gig where my actual first ever gig, I was dead on arrival. Like, I'm sure you're not like, you're dead on arrival. As soon as you start, you're like, no, we're going here. This isn't going to work. And um, my first ever gig was in a place in Mullingar called Sharkboard Comedy Club. I've just become good mates with the guy there. My favourite place to gig now, I actually I book the acts there sometimes as well. It's just, it's a, it's a wonderful place. Anybody in Mullingar, please check it out. Sharkboard Comedy Club in Columbia Bar. Ross, absolutely great guy. And he's done so much for me comedy-wise throughout my career. But my first gig, um, I basically I went down, I did the gig and I said, hey, my friend was driving me down because I didn't drive at the time. And I said, uh, he's actually sound technician if you want he'll record the gig for you he's a cameraman as well so they were like yeah bring him down so hooked up the camera grand hooked up the mic and he said will you go up on stage and do a sound check for me so, all right. so i went up on stage i got the mic boom, boom, one two 
one, two, one, two, one, two. And I could see him like in down the back going, I don't know why I'm moving my hand. This is audio. <laughs> he was down the back going louder, louder. So I started going, boop, boop, one, two, one, two. And all of a sudden I kind of realized where I was. And I looked down and I saw the audience kind of with their arms folded, looking up at me, kind of scorning. And one of them just kind of going, I don't get it. Oh, They're not very funny. The owner of the pub come up and kind of grab me. Go, come on! Like you can't be messing like that. Come on, you need to get out. And then I started to be dragged off. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the eggs. I'm one of the eggs. <laughs> so I mean, eventually sorted out. But I was on, I think, second that night. And literally, as soon as I got up on stage, this was my first ever, first ever gig, by the way, because uh, I did the Gaty Comedy Course. This is my first ever gig out on my own. I got up on stage. I swear to God, the whole audience in unison sat back, followed the rounds, and kind of was like, Oh, oh no. Tim. That's uh... And the worst part about this story was they couldn't hear me. So not only did I die on my backside, I was a terrible God. sound technician. And I suppose because you're out there for, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, it's only 10 minutes, but 10 minutes, you know, even one minute in a situation like that can feel like a lifetime. Yeah. Oh, God. It's just, oh, look. And as I said after the gig, I said, look, it can only get better. <laughs> But, um, and you asked as well, have I ever been heckled? Yeah, like I've been, I've been heckled a few times. Like I remember I was in Canada doing comedy. I was headlining the comedy club in Brampton, which is just above Toronto. And uh, it was kind of strange because you see when you're gigging in different countries, because I've gigged in like Ireland, America, Canada, and England. And you kind of see the difference in culture, like with the comedians and the audience. So when I was gigging in Canada, they didn't deal with hecklers very well. So like, the comedians will be up and like there's good comedians up there but like some of them that i saw they'd get a heckle and the answer like shouts them up and the response will be oh shut up so you're like no you gotta like i said that's that's your little window you have your little small window i think of about two to three seconds where you have to have a witty yeah. comeback or something like that you know because if you're standing there thinking for too long it's kind of like oh no he doesn't know what's going on here so i remember i was up headlining and i was saying something about i was making a joke about having a girlfriend at the time and uh, one of the uh, one of the audience members showed up. Oh, she sounds like a keeper, eh? Uh, to which I very quickly turned around and said, "No, she actually plays up front." Oh. <laughs> and the whole audience in unison went, "Oh my god!" They all started clapping, going, "This is amazing!" So, and after the show, they were, "Oh, buddy, like that that heckle, that was amazing, that was so funny." So that kind of bewildered me because, like, you're so you're so used, to, I suppose, uh, you know, heckles and stuff like that, and when you respond to, so they they couldn't believe it, so. That's one that always kind of stood out with me in the sense that it was like, man, like, I mean, <laughs> it was crazy just the yeah. fact they were blown away by my response yeah. to a heckle. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the Canadian crowd for you, I suppose. Well, look, I mean, it, it was fun and it was, uh, it was definitely interesting to gig in so many different places as well. And uh, yeah, it was fun. Like, and uh, I suppose it goes to show as well. Like, I know we've touched on this on the chats we've been on a couple of times. Like, in terms of, in my opinion, in terms of, acting in terms of comedy and in terms of music when you are on the scene and around ireland the talent in this yeah, country is we, we do we've so much to offer like and um i know we'll touch on the chats later but you're getting like a really really good high caliber of guests every week and you've got so many guests every week and i'm always impressed that uh you know that there's lots of people there's so many people out there that um like we, we have our little bubbles in dublin or whatever that you know you know what our, our yeah our cliques or our niches in Dublin or whatever uh, area we happen to be in. I mean, we have so much to offer in this country and it's just good that people now have the platform um, and platforms to get out there more. Yeah. And that's one thing I kind of noticed about 
this as well. Like I know the last year has been extremely rough for everybody, being in entertainment or not in entertainment. But um, one thing I notice in terms of the performing arts industry is that whenever I've you know reached out to people to be on the show or wherever you know, uh, I've been working on a project similar to yourself. I'd imagine is the amount of people that are willing to help is mm. incredible. Because I know I did an ad for I did an advert for the the chats and I reached out to you and you were more than willing. Like yeah, here you go. Here's my thing. Let me know. And I was like, geez, this this is brilliant. Like thank you so much. And um. Like the likes of yourself and like other people as well who I've had on and put me in touch with other people. I, I've loved the fact with just how much people are willing to stick together and kind of help. Yeah, absolutely. To get and well, now that we're on the subject, like the chats has been a huge outlet for you. The weekly chat show that you mm. do every every Thursday night on on your Facebook page. You do it through Facebook Live. So yeah, I encourage everyone listening to go on to Facebook right now and find the chats on Facebook uh, and watch this man's show every week because. Um, He's, he's doing a great job every week. He's three guests on every week, um, all from a variety of different mediums, uh, actors, writers, singers, uh, directors, producers, artists, um, musicians. Y- you cover it all, Alex. And um, yeah, you, this is something that uh, you started late last year, I believe. Yeah, my, my first episode was actually, I remember that it was October 29th, I think. And... I always joke because October 29th was the first show and the idea for the show came in to effect October 23rd. So it was a six-day turnaround for coming up with the show and then launched it because when we had the first lockdown, and I love the way we number these now, by the way, we number everybody lockdowns, but um, hopefully this is lockdown three, the last one, but we'll see. Um, I just remember um, the first lockdown I was doing, I actually have a Tommy Cooper joke book here, so I was just doing a Facebook Live each day where I was like, hey, you know, here's a joke of Tommy Cooper, and people were enjoying it, and I was getting very good feedback, and people were saying, hey, you know, I look out for your joke, it's been great, but I think when we had the another lockdown that was going to last for a long time, a friend of mine, I always remember, she messaged me, and she said, um, hey, you know, just another lockdown, I hope we're going to see something from you, because I enjoyed your jokes before, so I'd love to see something new from you, so I was kind of thinking, well, I'm not going to go back and do the... Uh, I'm going to go back and do the jokes again. Like, I do something else. I was kind of sitting there thinking. I remember this. It was a Friday morning, about 10 o'clock, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, what could I do? Hmm. And I was like, I could do, I could do a talk show, maybe. Talk show might work. That could be good off to people. But then I was like, nah, talk show. You don't know how to do a talk show. Who would you talk? That's stupid. And I was kind of sitting there, and then a couple of seconds later, I was like, but if I did a talk show, what would it be called? And then I was like, I'd probably call it the chats. And then I was like, nah. Stupid name. Who's gonna to listen to that? That's a bloody stupid name for a show. What do you think of that? And then I was sitting there going, Who would I have on the chats? And then I was like, Nobody, nobody will want to be on the show to talk to you. Then I was like, I'll show him, hey, he wants to come on my talk show. <laughs> and then yeah, just from there, like that was a Friday morning. So by Friday midday, I think I'd made a page and I put up going, Hey guys, new talk show starting this Thursday. Yeah, Please tune in. Near six months later and, and it's uh, it's a hit. Yeah. Yeah, I what can I say? It's been it's been a major hit. And like I mean, even I had a one a little while ago where I messaged this actress that I'd seen a few short things, short films and uh stage productions in America just saying hey you know just long shot but here's a page I run a talk show every Thursday I'd love to have you on if you're interested like I didn't get a response from mm. like a month or so and I was like well that's fair enough you know I'm just messing around the blue whatever she messaged me back going hey yeah sorry about the delay um I followed you I think I've been watching your show for the last month I, th- I think it's great I'd love to be on and I'm like Geez, you watch you watch my show and like it's at the stage now where like I'm on talking to different people messaging them and they're saying oh yeah I love your show I watch yeah. it I'd love to be on yeah. and it's so yeah. um 
it's so nice. But I suppose the main reason I set it up is because I was like, you know, again, lockdown's been tough for everybody, but I was like, I want to kind of create an outlet for those who are in the entertainment industry and are really kind of struggling because we don't know when we're going to get it yeah. back, man. That's that's the long and short of it. Mm-hmm. To give them a platform just to say, look, how do you feel? What are you working on? How are you coping? And also, it's a thing for us as well. Like, you know, I think I take for granted myself sometimes anyway. Like, I talk to more artists and performers in a day than most people do in a year. Like, we talk mm-hmm. to so many creative people. I was like, what mm-hmm. if we had this thing where, similar to what you're doing now, where people could come on and talk, you know, it almost humanizes the performers. So they're not just performing. Like, this is a person with hopes, dreams, and ambitions who's been affected by this. And it's been great. And people have loved it. And, you know, I've had an outpouring of people coming on. And, uh, and uh, I think we're episode 23 this week. Uh, as we record, I've, 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 I've broken <laughs> kayfabe now. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like, it's been a new... I've only had two repeat guests. I'm so, like, I mean, by the time we hit, like... Oh, you were one of them, yes. So by the time it reaches, say, episode 25, whatever, that'll be... My maths is terrible. So Sorry, by the time we reach episode bloody 30, then we'll have 90 yeah, different it's, guests. It's, it's incredible. And also, going back to your love of Father Ted, you got to in, you got to interview Father Damon. Mm. Yes, I did. That was Joe Rooney. That was a, a wonderful one. I got in contact. I was talking to a comedian I knew that I gig with him. I said, what's the odds that, you know, Joe Rooney, who plays Father Damon, would want to be on the show? And they said, I just sent him a message. So I messaged him, you know, big, hi, Mr. Rooney, how are you? Get this and that and the thing. And he was nice as could be. Like, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'd love to, like, be something I'd love to be on. When would you want me on? So I gave him a date. He says, yeah, I'll be there. And just the whole thing, like, nothing like, you know, kind of build up or, like, kind of been awkward. No, straight away, like, the nicest guy in the world to do. Yeah, when would you want me on? Sounds great. Love to do. We had a chat and it was great. And uh, I was mentioning a bit after that as well. And he's a lovely, lovely guy. So that was so, I suppose, surreal for me to almost come full circle for something that we discussed about love for so long father ted like my personal favorite comedy to talk to somebody from that it's just so unique and like joe rooney's also a comedian as well so it was great to chat to him too he's just such a yeah. lovely yeah, lovely you, guy you did an amazing interview with him so i'm just wondering how are you feeling before during and after the and the, the interview he, he was your main <laughs> was event fun. he was your third interview of the show so how are you feeling? yeah he was kind of a it was strange like i was doing the first two interviews and i was like you know i don't want to I had to really kind of prepare myself, like, how do I do these interviews and give them, like, the proper time that they deserve? Because, you know, every interview is the same. I talk to everybody the same. I'm like, God, I hope I don't seem, you know, too kind of nervous or come across, you know, I'm not giving these enough attention because I wanted to talk to everybody and see how they were. And I was quite fortunate that two guests on as well. Like, I had a great time with them, but I was nervous. I was very, very nervous about the third interview because it was, although I was enjoying talking to my first two guests, it was in the back of my mind. I'm like, geez, I'm going to talk to Father Damon tonight. But uh, look, I had a great time talking to the first two guests. Uh, two act, uh, an actor called Mario was on first, and a musician called Brew. And then I had Joe on. But it's that moment, as soon as you see him kind of come up on the stream below, because you and I, we use StreamYard for our shows. You see the person coming in, you're like, he's here. Like, oh, my God, <laughs> he's Joe Rooney. Like, And uh, well, that was great. Like, we had a great show. And the first two guys were great as well. And then just to talk to Father Damo, well, talk to Joe Rooney was just so unique. And for the first kind of few seconds, I was kind of sitting there like, oh, <laughs> kind of like whenever I come out to your show, you're like, oh, yeah. it's him. <laughs> oh god. Uh, maybe not in that tone of voice. It's more like that's him. <laughs> oh well, you did an amazing job, and again to our listeners out there, the chats every Thursday night, seven p.m. on Facebook. Check out the page. Uh, support this man because he's doing he's doing great work for the arts community, especially during. 
during COVID time, and we've, we've touched on it, um, Alex, it's, it, it is a nightmare right now for the performing arts industry. And, that, and again, yeah. I, I've had the idea of doing a podcast for a long time. I never really knew um, like what, I suppose, what I wanted to focus on. But then I suppose you, you, you almost, you inspired me in a way with the chats. And over the past few months, I was thinking, okay, I was thinking of doing it, okay, solely on writing maybe and writers. And then it opened up to, no, I, I could incorporate it just to, into the world of just creatives mm. and um and that so it, it you know it has kind of influenced me certainly and it is a great show and i've nothing but respect well, for you. you and you know it's, it's great to have that during this uh well these on un, these unprecedented times basically with it's also for myself as well like almost in a selfish sense it's great for me as well because you know i've gotten the thought of so many kind of new people like i've, I've since i launched in october i talked to so many people that i've never even spoke to before that i'm good mates with now and we keep in touch we chat about different things and you know different projects that we're working on it's also given me a chance to you know people who i've met through acting and through comedy and stuff like that to reconnect with them and say hey do you want to come on my show i haven't talked to you in a while so like as much as it's an interview as well that's great some of them just chatting to me mates and i'm like i'm just having chatted to you in bloody ages and here we are now we're gonna have a chat and i often joke i think i did off air i've become more popular now than i was before <laughs> lockdown it's actually it's hard, it's harder for me now i'm more of a social butterfly but ah look it's, it's great it's so wonderful to uh, have spoken to so many people and to find so many people that are interested as well to be on and um yeah like i'm excited i'm gonna keep going and, like even when lockdown ends i intend to keep going because people seem to be really enjoying it and i'm quite enjoying it myself as well so everybody seems happy which is what i yeah absolutely what I, like well, I wish you the best of luck with it and again Third time I'm gonna plug I'm gonna plug this show because I can't plug it enough. Check out the chats every <laughs> Thursday, seven o'clock on Facebook. Um, okay, so um, actually going back to comedy for one second, I want to we're coming to the end of the interview now, Alex. But I want to just ask you something um, in relation to comedy and performing. You said you performed um, sure. in a lot of various places, various countries. I know you've obviously performed in Ireland, you performed in England, you performed in the States, mm -hmm. you performed in Canada. To name but four, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm, am I am I missing anything there. So, no, no, what no, are some of the it. differences between um, audiences that you've encountered? Yeah, the difference between audiences is a bit. I suppose it's a bit strange in the sense that um, with the Irish, like the Irish audience, depending on where you are, like the Dublin audience, even from the Mullingar audience, is very different. In the sense that. With the Irish audience, like people will kind of respond, but they'll be a bit like they'll let you know if they're not enjoying it type of thing. They'll get a bit kind of rowdy, and you're more likely to get a heckle. You know, somebody will challenge you and try and be funny or something like that. Because look, we're Irish, we're all comedians, we're, we're all funny, we all know how to crack jokes and stuff like that. And um, I found with the English, then the English are a lot more kind of respectful, like they won't make as much noise, they'll sit there kind of very quietly and whatever. And you think, okay, but then you'll make the joke, and when the punchline comes. They'll give you a bigger laugh and they'll mm. applaud and all that type of stuff so they'll give you a bigger kind of you know response to a joke uh with the canadians canadians are kind of very similar as well like to be kind of very respectful and then but when it comes to the punchline they react and be like oh very good the americans i thought were great in the sense that like they're so supportive like the audience was great and you know even like i thought i I'll be honest, I thought I came off doing a bad gig. I headlined and I thought I didn't do great. But Canadian's like, oh man, buddy, that was incredible. Like, that was so much fun. Like, well done. Thank you. And I love the genuine enthusiasm, if that makes sense. Because, you know, you know, as somebody who runs a show here, it can be hard to get people to come. Like, you know, I'm doing the show on X day. Please come to see it. And people say, I'll come. But for whatever reason, they might not come. Or you mightn't get, you know, your mates that said they would come, they might drop out 
I know we've experienced that. I'm not trying to say, oh, you're all horrible people. Come to my show. It's just sometimes for whatever yeah. reason, we get a few drops. This to be expected. The Americans. Yeah, but with the Americans, it was the complete opposite, man. Like when I gigged in, it was Pensacola in Florida. Um, I did the show and I told my mate Todd and his girlfriend, oh, by the way, I'm doing comedy on this night. If you want to come, it'd be great. All of a sudden he was coming and 15 of his mates were coming. And I went to a tattoo parlor with Todd one of the days he was getting a tattoo done. And I said to the tattoo artist, oh, by the way, just chatting away to him. I said, I'm doing a show on this date down the road. He said, do you have a link? I sent him on a link. It's there you go. I think he texted me like an hour later going, hey, I bought 20 tickets. Wow. Like, you what? I bought 20 tickets going to bring on me mates. And uh, that was crazy. Like The fact that, you know, I had said like to one or two people, do you want to come see the show? And the genuine enthusiasm. I was like, yeah, we want to come see you perform. That's amazing. And, that's what I love about Americans too, like the genuine enthusiasm for everything. It's like, what do you do? I do this. Oh, that's amazing. Well done. And I love that. Like, so it was really kind of, I suppose, nice having that. Like the fact that there was, say, about fragments, like 150 in the audience, but there was about 40, 50 of them were there just for me. And for me, it was just kind of, mm. it's very nice. It's very, very nice. It's yeah. a cool experience. It sounds like it's nice to get that level of support, definitely, because it is... I mean, not to disparage the Irish audience, but when you invite like a load of your friends, as you say, you are going to get no shows and be very rare that someone would say here, I'm bringing 20 people along with me. Yeah, like without even asking, like, like I, I I, always remember there was one guy called Jason, lovely, lovely guy. He was, uh, I think he even left work early so we could oh. come to see it. That's that, that's commitment. It was incredible. Like I, I was kind of like thinking <laughs> I don't deserve this. <laughs> But then at the end, I thought I did a bad gig. Like, I, I was unhappy with my own performance and thought, ah, oh, maybe I could have done better. But everyone was like, geez, that was amazing. Well done. You're brilliant. This and that. And I was like, man, this is, wow, this is so nice. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Uh, but look, one one final thing, just to round off the interview, okay? We've talked a lot. We've talked stand-up comedy. We've talked act, acting. We've talked the chats. We've talked Father Ted. We've talked The Room, um, which leads me mm. to a little game I want to play here. Um, We'll call this. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call this Alex' right. choice. Father oh, Ted, <laughs> the room. One has to go. Uh, I think the room has to go, man. Because as much as I love Tommy Wiseau and it's a great film, Father Ted is just. I, I think Father Ted is just part of culture. Father Ted is part of our culture. Well, I, I agree, and that was uh, that was a lot easier for you than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't even well, look. I mean, um, I looked. No, the room was amazing, and it's been. Uh, it's it's an amazing film. It is my favorite film, along with Joker. I think we discussed that before, but it's and it's such a cool thing, and like it's 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 definitely had an influence on me. But Father Ted is just top 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 pinnacle of comedy, and like you know, you and I were about the same age. Like I, uh, you know, late twenties, early thirties. So you and I grew up in the nineties, and uh, mm. I know for myself personally, you were probably the same. When I was a kid in the late 90s, Father Ted was this like this mythical show. It was almost like, you know, it was on late at night and it was about priests and they said bad words. And, you know, it was very kind of, you know, if you got to watch it, it was almost like I got to watch Father Ted last night and this happened. And, this happened. and it was incredible. Like I remember uh, I always remember talking to my younger brother. God, I was about seven or eight at the time. He was about five or six. And I was saying, yeah, I watched that. Mm. I watched Father Ted last night. There was a priest and I got Father Jack and he looked at the camera and he said, feck off. <laughs> and my brother was like, oh my God, wow. So yeah, like I, I love the room. I, I adore the film and I love Tommy Wiseau so much. But I think for me, as an Irish person, as a 
somebody who loves comedy it has to be Father Ted for me it's just it's comedy yeah, well, perfection for me I remember uh, I mean I used to think that I was obsessed with Father Ted but another memory that I have of mm-hmm. you when I first met you was well not long after I first met you was we were on Dublin bus coming back from a rehearsal and we literally spent the entire journey quoting Father Ted I can't remember how long the bus journey was but like I am a huge movie and TV fanatic I can quote a lot of films but you were out quoting me it got to the point like where I was sitting there going my god I've stopped but this guy is still going <laughs> I remember that I think I think that was actually our first rehearsal night because we were just getting back on the bus and I was like oh Father Ted came up whatever and we just started going back for I just remember yeah, you sitting there going Jesus <laughs> it was like it was, it was like um, it was like in the Simpsons when Homer's doing the boxing with Dredrick Tatum Homer he's not gonna stop you have to hit him back <laughs> but yeah like and like that's the thing like I mean that that's that's kind of benefited me as being a comedian and an actor like I used to I used to actually get made fun of when I was you know younger in my teens and my early 20s because I'd watch a tv show and if it was funny and I enjoyed it I'd remember all the lines I remember all the funny bits. So I'd be going, oh, you know, TV show, I'm quoting and verbatim. And the people look and go, how the hell do you know all this? I would just be like, I just remember it. Like, if it's funny and I yeah. enjoy it, I just remember it. No, no, I, I agree with you, Alex, because I remember I experienced that as a kid as well. Like, my movie memory was fantastic. It's, it still is, quite frankly, to this day. But I can quote, like, movies for days I can remember scenes that might have happened somewhere in the middle of the movie that other people would forget and I'd remember the lines exactly I'd be able to quote it as you said verbatim so I know exactly how you feel the one I used to always get was I'd quote like a thing like oh you know said this and said that and blah 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 and then it'd be like oh you've got too much time in your hands it's like I just just remember the lines that that's it or like I I don't know like it was uh I guess that's what it is and it made I suppose comedy and kind of acting easier because I'm like yeah hey, no, I just I remember the lines I remember saying I remember enjoying it that's the key thing I think if you enjoy something you remember it yeah absolutely absolutely well I tell you I've certainly enjoyed this interview Alex and I'm going to remember <laughs> this one because this has been a fantastic <laughs> very interview good. Uh, very good segue so best segue I've ever done and this is the first interview I've ever Real done natural. so <laughs> yeah so um yeah well listen thanks so much for joining me Alex it's been a blast we've had uh, a lovely catch-up great chats and um yeah it's been fantastic and i hope to have you on again soon for sure man and thank you very much for having me um i hope it goes well for you and uh thank you very much for having me man i really appreciate it and i really hope this goes well for you yeah thank you very much ladies and gentlemen that has been the one and only the fantastic mr alex Byrne. well that wraps things up nicely for episode one of creative sessions with creative people and I want to thank Alex because he was a fantastic, fantastic first guest. We had a great, great chat and I wish him nothing but the best with his stand-up, nothing but the best with his magic act. I really hope he can get back on the stage soon and perform. Also, do not forget every Thursday night at 7pm he hosts his own talk show, Lit Chats, which you can find on Facebook Live. That's one last plug for you there, Alex. So I encourage you, check it out. Do not miss it. Alex Byrne, he's doing great, great work. Now, I want to thank you, the listeners as well, for giving your time and listening to the very first episode of this podcast. And this is only episode one, folks. Okay, this is just the beginning. So until next time and goodbye.